everyone, this is Salam. Welcome to Anxious Black Mom. Today is Tuesday evening. I believe it's January 19th. Happy MLK Day. Uh, happy inauguration. I believe inauguration would be tomorrow and then MLK Day was yesterday. But 2021, you know, we're starting off with the new holidays. So um, I spent MLK Day doing what let me see oh man oh i was doing a lot of uh community work uh related to tesfa program which i lead um and it's a community-based organization or community-based program grassroots led and we are uh, helping uh inform and increase skills and knowledge of the amharic speaking population here in king county about covid but more importantly like really focused on uh increasing agency and power of that community to be able to demand and receive uh, services that they qualify for uh, and that they are um, you know allowed to or are able to benefit from so uh, one of the things I also did over the long weekend was uh, get uh, finish up with one book um, called um, automating inequities and automating inequities is a book about how uh, big data and uh, sort of technological solutions are being applied by the public sector to be able to deliver really critical need to communities, communities that need it. Um, so things like, you know, Medicaid or uh, food services or food programs for people who are experiencing poverty uh, or other type of uh, challenges in their life and pretty much you know making the argument that the fact that we are relying so heavily on automation uh, is actually making those services um, less uh, useful and less accessible to communities that need it and so it's really fascinating she covered three specific case studies she looked at uh, a system that tried to create priorities about which homeless folks in LA deserved or needed homes uh, faster than others uh, using a ranking system pretty much um, to distribute limited housing resources. Uh, she also gave a case study about uh, Alameda County or, or I forget what county it was but some county I believe in the kind of like middle of the country who um, that used their automatic system to also determine um, determine uh, eligibility for food services, and another one that tried to use uh, technological services or big data to predict if a child would be more likely or less likely to be abused or neglected by their family members. And so all of them are really great examples of how data and information and technology and software can be really useful in some ways, but also really does not solve at the heart of um, at the heart of the challenge we have in the U.S. around this, which is we just don't care enough about uh, poverty. It is not a political priority. It's not something that we feel like we need to fix. Um, and so, because of that, we have limited funding for these things. And because we have limited funding, then uh, you know we try to create ways to to distribute this limited resource in different ways that kind of almost try to 
shield uh, the fact that it just is not enough. It's just not enough resource. So, anywho, I would recommend everybody to go read it. It's called In Automating Inequities. And actually, my friend Rachel um, suggested it to me, I want to say at least like three years ago or something. And I'm just getting around to reading it. Um, actually, I listened to it in audiobook. And I thought it was really well written and um, the stories are really great but the data she tells about poverty and the story the narrative she has crafted about uh, how poverty is looked at in America uh, and and why there needs to be some particular changes one of which you know she acknowledges like one of the things that she says are really big that we need to do is acknowledge that poverty is actually a majority issue and not a an issue that is only experienced by a very few minority who has quote-unquote a culture of poverty and um, so that's a really big part of what she talks about is that we all need to kind of acknowledge that like many of us do at some point in our life experience poverty meaning we fall under the poverty line and many of us are born into poverty which then is a big predictor for us to be poor uh, as adults too so very 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 good book uh hella depressing in some ways but really good book um and uh, i would definitely suggest it for anybody looking for to understand better uh kind of why public services especially those pu public benefit how they uh, in some countries are experienced as something that everyone gets everyone something like a benefit like a universal income would be like something like that right like it's a public benefit that everyone gets but at the same time uh looking at our country where it seems like we really try to figure out like who's a, a poor person that's worth helping and which other poor people are not worth helping and i do think that as a you know east african immigrant moving to the u.s i definitely felt like i in many spaces like schools or i don't know other places too i definitely felt like we were seen as a deserving poor so although we were low income uh we didn't speak english and we really didn't know how to navigate the system but there was something uh like empathy that i felt like a lot of the white um led organizations whether they were like religious based or uh, just uh, nonprofits or public institutions really favored our family over, you know, not not in a direct way, but just the policies and the way resources are allocated really favored folks like us who, you know, and then so the, because of that, I got like scholarships to go to school. Uh, I got a lot of after school support. Um, my family got support with housing. We just got a lot of support in order to be, you know, to, to really like, we really leverage that support to like where we are now, where like, you know, we're homeowners, we, we have a pretty stable life, right? And although we're not rich, we are okay. We are out of that kind of initial phase of our five, 10 years, the first five, 10 years of living in America when we really were in the margins, right? And so it's just interesting because I don't know that those type of supports and programs are afforded to african-american families who have been here and have been experiencing poverty for generations and i feel like sometimes black poor people who are especially black are seen as not deserving uh poor and um and
and the exception sometimes is like when you're looking at children or something you know children are like a deserving poor too many times they're seen as folks that we don't want them to experience uh, poverty and so we might be able to do a little bit more or elders you know but and you know but adults who we feel like should be working you know never mind that there's lots of reasons why folks can't work or can't find work or they might be working and still the way that the wages are might they might still be poor because of that and they can't you know make ends meet anyways but it's just in a topic that I'm very interested in uh, and it has a lot of uh, overlap or uh, complementary kind of things histories around the poverty and race and racism in America so it's just a really good book I thought uh, but yeah it, that's how I spend my, my weekend and I did a lot of housework uh, cleaning cooking like I spent like Saturday cooking like I think I cooked for like six hours it was kind of like a, a crazy thing and then I shared it with family and stuff so that was cool yeah so I hope you're all well another thing oh sorry I would say another thing too is about the vaccine so the vaccine situation is getting interesting because at least in Washington state we are moving from that very initial phase where only uh, medical providers were getting the vaccine but now uh, I believe they just moved to a new phase where people who are elders ages 65 or above could actually start getting the vaccine and um, so uh, it is interesting to see how people will respond to it whether people will be excited to take it or not I don't know uh, but I already I'm we're already seeing how there are organizations that are advocating on behalf of their staff um, to get to kind of skip the line pretty much like oh you know we need our staff to work so we need you to do this or whatever and I just think that it's interesting and and it's leading to some what we knew was gonna happen which is inequities about who gets the vaccine and when and so I really think that like the governor and pe people in the public health sector who are distributing their the vaccine really need to stay the course of equity and not buckle because they're getting a lot of pressure from very vocal groups to give them the vaccine already and so that's just my little speech you know and so anywho but yeah i'll tell you guys more about uh this advisory group i'm trying to join uh that's in the state level and it's supposed to be like a community advisory board to help the state come up with a more equitable way to distribute the vaccine so we'll see how that goes because the the distribution is already happening so i don't i don't know how much of what what that advisory group says or does is gonna actually impact anything the state does but we'll see so i'll let you guys know how that goes all right thank you and i'll talk to you guys soon bye